Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast for episode 341. Great to have you here with us today. Today, we're going to be chatting with one of my uh, very closest and nearest and dearest friends, Mr. Brian Harris. Uh, I've got a fun show for you today. This is a little bit different. Brian and I are basically going to invite you into a rather impromptu, casual conversation, uh, talking about a variety of different things, but talking a lot about how we are both growing personally and professionally. Uh, for better or worse, I, I let Brian lead uh, with several questions today. He knows me probably as well as anyone other than my wife. So you're sure to get some bonus content here as well. We're going to be talking about my current reading list, uh, what's on my radar. Brian highlights a must read that has uh, really recently transformed his own professional approach. We also aim to identify the difference between people who make it and those who don't by sharing some visionary goals at the core of our own businesses. We're also going to chat about the value in seeking trusted outside perspectives from those who are a step ahead and the, uh, the importance of learning from those who are on the journey with us as well. Brian is a, uh, again, a very trusted, close friend, confidant. We, we challenge and encourage each other in so many different ways. It is a, uh, a privilege to share a little glimpse into our friendship into today's episode. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Brian Harris. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today we have, uh, I, I don't know where this episode and conversation is going to go. Uh, today we have uh, probably my closest best friend, Mr. Brian Harris is here. Brian runs a, a training company for entrepreneurs uh, called Growth Tools. And uh, we'll talk about that that background. But um, I think one of the things that uh, is fun about Brian is, again, he's probably my closest friend. We, Our wives would say we probably chat with each other more than we talk to them. And uh, the thing that I, I've really enjoyed about our friendship and our relationship is that uh, we we talk, we goof off a lot, but we also, uh, Brian's really, really good at providing insight and feedback and has seen the whole iteration of the Speaker Lab. Uh, he was in the room when I said, hey, I have this idea for this speaking thing, uh, has been in the room multiple times for those type of conversations. So uh, you've seen behind the curtain for the whole journey and process and uh we got a couple of things we're going to cover and talk about today, so I'm interested to see where this goes. So, uh, Brian, thanks for being here. Oh, I get to talk now. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for letting me chat. It's your, it's my show, but it's your turn. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. It's fun. We actually were planning to do an interview about something totally different, and then three minutes before we record, I was like, "How about we just talk about some random stuff?" So I'm excited about the Random Show Speaker Lab Edition. That is basically where we're going to go here. I've got to, we've each written down a couple of different topics and ideas. Uh, you have said you have a couple of questions for me, and you started laughing, so I have no idea where those are going to go. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens here. But can I start, um, can I start by asking you a question? I I guess so. Here we go. All right. So uh, you have gotten into reading for the first time, maybe ever this year since a, since a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So you were assigned book reading in school, and yep, now you're yep. voluntarily reading. Um, as an adult. So I have two questions related to that. Number one, 
what got you into reading? Because previously you would say, I would recommend a book and you would say something like, ah, oh, that's fine. Then you go read the Blinkist thing or you would tell, ask, pull out of me the three minute summary. And now you're reading like a book a week or maybe even faster pace than that. So what got you into it? That's part one. Yeah. Number two, uh, what's been your favorite book you've read this year? Uh, okay. So let's start with the, uh, the initial question there. So yeah, I historically, I've never really enjoyed reading. Uh, it's always just kind of felt like a, a chore. And so I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, and I felt like that if there was a, a book that was recommended, I could find an interview with the author or find them talking about the, the book and probably listen to the podcast interview and get a good chunk of the book. Now, one of the things I realized about a book is that it's not only the content that's in it, but the amount of time that you're spending with it that's just getting the wheels turning that may trigger something else, maybe unrelated to the book, that um, that you may not be able to get from a, a podcast interview. So I might read a few books a year here or there um, on something I was really, really into. But for the most part, I had just um, it just hadn't been high on my radar. So earlier this year, uh, I had hired a, a business coach, you know, and, and um, uh, right away he gave me a, a book assignment. And I was like, yeah. I don't know. Do, do I need to read? And he said, he said he was the same way. Like he was a, uh, he had never done much reading. And then he had a, um, uh, another guy that's kind of a mentor to him and said, uh, shut up, smart, smart people who've done well in life. They read books. So you're going to learn to read. And he said, he said, that's what was told to me. And, and he said, I'm telling it to you. I was like, yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, so I've tried to, he's given me a couple book assignments and a couple of things, uh, I've read. So we're, uh, we're about a, quarter of the way into the year here. I've read one, two, three, I've got five books uh, I've read. So, um, so I was proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm making good progress here. Uh, I, uh, let's see here. I have read, um, a good book that was recommended by a mutual friend of ours, Greg Hickman, uh, was a book called the road less stupid by Keith Cunningham. That was a really good one. Um, read that recently. Another one I really liked was by a guy named uh, Justin Donald uh, called The Lifestyle Investor. Uh, investing is a topic I'm really interested in, so uh, that was a good one. So yeah, I've been uh, I've been keeping a list here on my phone of some books I've read. I've got a couple on my desk uh, of some that I want to get to. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to read. And uh, you you have been uh, you've been reading a ton yourself this year, right? How many books are you up to? You're up to like 15 or 20. 18 books this year. 18 Although- this year. Number 18, this is, I mean, last year I read 10 books the entire year. This is way ahead of my pace, but the last one I read was really bad. So actually 17, I put that one down after three chapters. It was the first bad book I read. Uh, oh, go back to The Road Less Stupid. You said yep. you really liked it. Yep. What, like, what's the gist? What did you like about it? Well, it's um, one of my one of my favorite books, although I, again, I haven't read a massive amount of books, but one of my favorite books is a, a book called Rework by the guys from that run uh, Basecamp. And um, Jason Freed and David uh, Hanemeyer, Hanemeyer, Hanson. I can never remember how to pronounce his middle name or whatever it is, but DHH. anyway, um, DHH. And so um, one of the things I like about it is it's very, very practical. And it is uh, that book as well as uh, The Road Less Stupid and it was short chapters. So sometimes you get into a book and it's, you know, like 30 page chapters. And I'm just, for me personally, my attention span, I'm just like, oh man, I'm like, you could have consolidated this. This could have been a lot shorter um, or I just kind of lose interest. And so uh, those rework and then The Road Less Stupid were both books that had uh, more chapters, but shorter chapters. So, I mean, two, three page chapters, uh, they didn't necessarily have to be read sequ- sequentially. Uh, and they're just really practical, applicable, uh, ideas and concepts. Um, 
the, the idea behind the road less stupid was, it was a lot about getting you to, to think and process. So some of it was, here's some applicable things you can do right now. And then some of it was, uh, here are some questions for you to be thinking about, for you to be writing about. Um, that's one thing that I, I've tried to do more of this year is I'm kind of noodling on something. So sitting down and writing out my, my thoughts on it. And so some of it is just, uh, and several, probably most of them I've sent by you of just like, Hey, here's something I've been chewing on, or we've been talking about. Here's my thoughts on it. I wrote it out, help me to kind of conceptualize, crystallize the thoughts behind that and send that over to, to you or whoever to, to, to get some feedback. Um, so yeah, it's been a, yeah, that was a, that was a good book. Cool. My favorite book of the year since you asked. Yeah. I was uh, kind of so leading. <laughs> actually two books, but they're both very related. Uh, so I actually started it last year, finished it. First book I read in January is called story worthy by this guy named Matthew Dix, which would be especially applicable for your audience because it's a book about storytelling. And Matthew Dix is a I don't, 52 time, I didn't know this was a thing, but a storytelling grand slam champion. So apparently there's an organization called the Moth, which I've never heard of mm -hmm. before, but they do lots of storytelling stuff. And he's won their worldwide and national competitions quite a few times. Anyway, he wrote this book called Storyworthy. <clears throat> and I've heard, I've read quite a few storytelling books. I've never read a storytelling book from someone who is a master storyteller. And he doesn't really make business application at all from it, but he breaks down the mechanics of telling a story and like, and the whole book is just a bunch of stories. So it's super simple to, to read. Although it's a pretty big, it's probably a 250 page book. Um, anyhow, uh, a couple of tips that are really interesting. Uh, and I've tried applying this to marketing and there's a second book that like I read right after it that helped glue it into like online uh, teaching, training, selling uh, type of application. But a cool thing he said is that every story um, is all about one five second moment of transformation where before that moment of transformation, you were one type of person. And after that moment, you were a different type of person, like some core belief, some fundamental thing happened that changed you as a human. So he said, um, basically, if you want to tell a story, don't start with the beginning, start with the end. What's the transformation moment. Mm -hmm. And then the beginning of the story needs to be the exact opposite of it. And he said, you can actually watch movies and TV shows and they're exactly this. <laughs> we were watching one the other day, uh, Showtime show. I won't give away the show, so I don't spoil it. But the episode opened uh, and this was later in the season, episode eight and maybe the season finale, maybe it was episode 10, I believe. Is the one we were just texting about? Yes. Okay. With, uh, yeah. No, no. The Breaking Bad dude. Uh, anyway, so last episode, him and the kid are hugging each other. Yep. And it's like the first joyous moment they've really had since episode one. Everything else has been yep. kind of yep. dark in between. And as soon as they hug, I'm like, oh, that dude's dead. I'm like, he's definitely not making it through this episode. And sure enough, end of the episode, exact opposite moment of that. But they open the episode with the exact opposite as the episode ended. You could take like uh, Queen's Gambit, which is super popular uh, back last summer. And you can take the first five minutes of the first episode the last five minutes of the last episode and they're the exact opposite. Everything else in between basically didn't matter. Uh, so it's really cool just for looking and predicting what will happen in TVs and shows, but also really effective for storytelling. Okay. Second book. I'm going to tie this all into something that makes sense. Um, I'm kind of excited about it. I've been tinkering with it lately. <clears throat> Second book was one written by Russell Brunson called expert secrets. And um, he basically, the whole book is more or less how to do a webinar like how to do a sales presentation. So, you know, if you speak on stage, you have most talks are just transmitting information. Other talks at the end of it, you want to sell something. And I think either way you go, no matter whether you're selling something or not selling something, you are selling that idea. Right. And he gave the coolest framework I'd ever seen for showing how to get someone to believe. So I don't know, for me, I might be trying to 
get someone to understand why the marketing system that we use for course creators and coaches and experts and speakers and authors really works well. And is the easiest, the hardest thing to script and the easiest thing to get to work. But if I can't put the words in the right order that causes that person to fundamentally believe that they're never going to buy the thing. They're never going to buy the book. They're never going to buy the course, the coaching program, none of the stuff. And they're not going to leave the talk transform. They might leave the talk with some cool ideas and some cool tactics, but they, they haven't fundamentally changed the person. So the basic framework Russell lays out <clears throat> is that uh, you had a, a moment of transformation. You had an epiphany moment where you went from not believing in that thing. Maybe it was like an acknowledged thought kind of on the surface level, but something happened for you where you went from, like you, Grant, went from, yeah, speaking would be interesting to do one day to some fundamental core level belief that changed you in a way that caused you to be a public speaker and teach thousands of people how to do it. What was that moment of transformation? What was that moment where you had an aha and you fundamentally changed as a human and that point forward, you did that for the rest of your life. If you wanted to convince people to be public speakers, the most efficient way to convince people and to help people become that is to simply tell them your story of transformation. Mm -hmm. uh, so we laid out a really cool framework in that book for that. So it was cool seeing Dix talk about how to like tell a really good story. The name of the book is Story Worthy, Matthew Dix, go Amazon it. Uh, the other book is Expert Secrets by Brunson, Amazon that one as well. Um, put the two together. And I think you have um, probably the most effective way to give a 30 minute presentation that fundamentally changes people as a human. And if you want, gets them to buy your product, whatever that might be, whether that's a book, whether that's adopting your concept or a coaching program or whatever the thing is. So I actually tested it two weeks ago. Uh, we did a webinar. We do a webinar once a week or once a month to our audience. And uh, I just blew, I presented the same webinar 10 times in a row, 10 months in a row, same basic concept, iterating on it. So the same basic talk. Um, this time I threw the whole thing away and built a new presentation and it just told four stories. The whole thing was four stories and it was our highest converting webinar we've ever done. <laughs> and like, I was scared because I am used to teaching all this tactical stuff. Right. And in Russell's book, he made a very good argument for, you can teach all the tactical in the world and people love the tactical but if they haven't had the aha moment, the fundamental transformation where they went from, oh yeah, that's interesting to, oh yeah, I have to do that. None of the tactical matters at all. So the best way you can teach and train people is give them the aha moment first and then let your paid product, or if you want to let your talk go into all the details if you want to do that. Um, so that's something like a fundamental change that I had from Dick's book and Brunson's book that I've now applied to my business that's had a huge like it's funner to do just to tell stories than to like go into all the tactical stuff. That's what our paid training is for. But the, the free stuff, the public stuff, the speeches, all that is the fundamental belief level training that kills your false belief and rebuilds it in a more healthy way. That'll help you as a human, just be a better human. So those two books were really good. I've reread them both multiple times and I'm still going through them, trying to distill the framework down into a super usable thing. Okay. So let me ask a question on that because you and I, um, uh, have been kind of, I would say on both sides of it, meaning like we have both worked with thousands of students in our programs, um, whether that's for speakers or online business or whatever it may be, coaches, consultants, that sort of thing, course creators. Um, we've both worked with a lot. There have been a lot of students from both of us who've been very, very, very successful. And those that flounder out, there have been friends of ours over the years that have been very, very successful. And those that kind of flounder out, you and I, when we first started talking I don't know, six, seven years ago or something, 
Well, we didn't know each other, didn't have mutual friends or anything. Just kind of a, a I sent you a cold email, I remember, and um, f- and started connecting. And fast forward to today, and both of us, um, our businesses are ten plus times the size that we were when we got started. We both had some level of success in business. So, what do you think is the difference between the people who that that switch flips for versus those that it doesn't? Hmm. Golly, that was a good question. That was a good question. I sensed it was coming. I was like, oh crap, I gotta have an answer for this. <laughs> hmm. What do you think? Oh, wow. <laughs> I got some ideas bubbling, but I, I, it's hard to bo- it's hard to boil it down to one thing. Um I did have an aha moment last year, and maybe. I'll tell this as, an, as a story and hopefully it will do for you what it did for me. I'm going to try to retell my epiphany moment. So I'll use the framework I just told you and see if this works for you. So um, we have, I have, cons- well, let me tell it in first person. So getting Facebook ads to work for us consistently has been a struggle for years. And I found like, it's really annoying because it's kind of like, you know, the marathon you train for where you're right before, right about, right about to pass the finish line. You're about to pass out and dude in the pink tutu passes you and like, is like totally fine and good. And he's been just hustling the entire time and you're about to die. Uh, it feels like that sometimes because I have some quick, friends. Quick clarification. How many marathons or half marathons have you run? <laughs> I've run uh, one half marathon, actually. Did you really? It's 13 miles. What is 13 miles? Well, if you have to ask, then <laughs> It was my confidence, school. my confidence level in you being having done it is very I've run low. Thirteen mile. Okay. Right. Um. Anyway, where was that? You interrupted me. Oh. Um. Okay. So Facebook ads have been a struggle. Like we've spent well over a million dollars in Facebook ads. I've had moderate degree of success. So we probably have mostly broken even. But like every time we go to reiterate and build another funnel or try to make them work even better, like it's just a struggle and annoying. And I get kind of down that we haven't been able to make it work before now. And then last summer, so me and Grant and a few other friends go on a houseboat trip every year. And every year we try to invite somebody new to the trip. So we get to meet new people. And we invited a guy who's been very successful in using Facebook ads uh, in a webinar type of funnel. And so we have, not I'm just drilling him on questions. And I'm like, man, like what, what made it work? He's like, man, it's no magic. Like you're 10 times smarter than anybody I've ever hired to do this. He said, the difference is we maniacally focus on it for six months and we do nothing but that. We spend six months straight. We meet every morning for 15 minutes. I have one person whose 40 hour a week job is do nothing but focus on that. In fact, this person actually left the previous company was at, started in a new company right about the time we went on the houseboat trip about seven months, eight months ago and started at this new company and did exactly this. The first six months at that job, 40 hours a week, nothing but new ad creative, new presentation, new landing page, just every day, improving, tweaking, improving, tweaking, improving, tweaking, improving, tweaking. And five months in that presentation started working really well. The ad started working, the presentation started converting. And I remember as he's telling me this, I'm like, yeah, I know how to do all that stuff. But here was the aha moment for me. That was kind of the culmination of the frustration that had built up over those years of just trying and failing or trying and mediocre and trying and mediocre. And I look over and pink two, two guys working for him and it's working for Grant, working for our buddy, David. And I'm like, but like, what am I doing that they're not doing? And Evan finally gave it to me. The thing I was doing that they weren't doing was I had never focused on something that hard for that long. 
I had never woke up and spent the lion's share of my time every week completely focused on that one thing. I'd go in spurts for a couple of weeks or six weeks or seven weeks, or maybe hired somebody who was halfway skilled to do that. But I'd never like decided it was going to work and then spend as much time as it took for as long as it would take to make sure it would work. I'd never done that before. That was a new thing. Um, so six weeks ago, we started doing that. <laughs> we literally took one guy off the team at about half of my time. And all we've done for six weeks straight is work on our presentation and our Facebook funnel, our, our webinar and the ads bind to it. And now it's starting to work really well. It isn't there yet. We probably have another six weeks of maniacal focus on it. So the takeaway for me was, and I think this is probably in the top things, maybe the number one thing is just deciding it will work and, and maniacally focusing on the business. Um, there's other factors too, like not getting overly complicated. Like for instance, I get the thing that started my business was I took an online course. Um, this guy trained you how to like create your first product and do stuff like that. So I created one and then I had a moderate degree of success with it. Like I made a couple thousand dollars from it. I told him about it and he invited me to come speak uh, at a user conference thing. It was basically like 50 people that had bought the course. He was going to have them all there together just to hang out. And I'd been one of the more successful students and that successful, very low bar on that, like a couple thousand dollars from the little thing I built from his course. And he invited me to come speak. So I like, cool, that'll be cool. I've never spoke before. I also had to like stuff at church. So yeah, I'll go do that. So I get up and do a speech. And basically I just outlined how I had created the product, built a little email list and sold the product. And I then, that was a 30 minute presentation. People liked it, but they didn't pay me anything. It was free, first speaking engagement professionally. I took that presentation and turned it into a course. And then once a week, just started speaking on other people's platforms. So I do a podcast interview like this or do a, a live training for someone else or go to a Facebook group and do a live Facebook training. And literally I would just talk to somebody for 30 minutes to an hour on somebody else's platform like this, borrow their platform, borrow their audience instead of try to build my own. And casually and then occasionally throughout the teaching or the interview, I would just mention my product and people would go buy it. So I just did that for years, <laughs> literally once a week, just go train on someone else's platform, go teach their audience, share, share what I know to their audience and mention the product. And that was it. But maniacal focus on that, like sold stuff, because every week I'd get in front of, you know, five, 10,000 people on a podcast interview or a, a blog post or like doing a guest post or doing a live training in front of someone. Uh, and every major inflection point in the business was me teaching someone else's audience, not trying to build my own, not trying to figure out Facebook ads, not trying to figure out webinar, not figuring out any of that stuff was simply find another audience that had some of our best fit clients in it and going and teaching to them. Um, and that was a huge inflection point in the business was doing that first speech, turning it into a product and then just talking once a week. Yeah. So I think the thing that caused my business to take off and continues to be one of the top marketing channels is just once a week teaching someone else's audience. So I think one of the factors, like if I had to boil it down to one thing, like one of the primary traits would be deciding that will work. You don't need anything special. You need to decide it will work. And then my maniacal focus on the thing, um, maniacal focus on it until it does. Yeah. Focus was the thing that I wrote down. Cause I, I, I see it in a couple different ways. Like for, um, for you and I, we've always basically stayed in the same lane. Um, meaning like, here's who we help. Um, and here's the solution that we're, we're providing to them for the, the problem they have. So like in our case, um, from the beginning and, and, and when you and I first met in person, it was kind of the first, uh, 
makeshift mastermind meeting that we had done. Uh, I, I wasn't living in Nashville at the time. You were living here. I drove to Nashville, us and, and I think two other guys. And we sat in like a Sunday school classroom at your church and a whiteboard. And I was talking about this idea for booked and paid to speak. And this is like, hey, I, I, there's a, an opportunity here. There's, there's a lot of speakers that need this. We can help this. And we like, like wrote down the ideas. I, I vividly remember on that whiteboard, like writing out the concept and the phrase like booked and paid to speak and what that, what that could be. And so uh, knowing like this need that speakers have and just basically staying in that lane for the past six, seven years uh, and really 15 plus years in my career is working with helping being a speaker and wearing that hat. Uh, And then even like in how we deliver that, like we, we started with, with a course booked and paid to speak, and then since that, we've kind of more of a, a group coaching program today uh, that's basically an iteration of that, but the content's uh, largely the, the, the same process that we would teach people. But again, you and I have seen a lot of people who are just kind of like bouncing from thing to thing to thing, shiny object, shiny object, shiny object, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And it's just kind of like, what's the flavor of the week or what is it that those people are teaching today? And I think that, that you and I have had some level of success because like we, we do one thing. Uh, for one audience and we do that one thing really, really well and know that we're, know what we're good at, know what we're not good at. Um, so like, I don't really do uh, blog posts because I don't feel like I'm a great writer and I'll enjoy that. Um, and, but I enjoy doing these conversations. I enjoy doing podcasts. So we were talking right before we started recording. Last time you were on here was five years ago. And you're like, you've been doing it for that long? Like, yeah, just once a week, talking with someone, making a good interview and putting it up. But just like doing, like showing up consistently over a period of time, knowing that there's going to be an amateur phase. Like there's a phase where both of us were throwing things at the wall and like, Hey, I'm going to try this. And the other one's saying like, ah, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, I mean, you're but, still you're just, phase, but you're just so. trying things. Yeah. You're just like, again, slinging uh, spaghetti against the, mu- uh, against the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, and over time, like paring that down to like, no, no, I know where we're good at. I know where we had value. I know even our roles in the, in our companies, like we know where we're best. Um, and some of that takes time, but if you, if you feel like this has to be some type of like overnight process of, you know, I, this has to work today or I have to book a bunch of gigs or I have to sell a bunch of courses or I have to book a bunch of clients and I have, you know, two weeks to do it. Like, that's just not realistic. Like we're both, we've both been in this for a long time. We'll be in this for a long time. Uh, so I think that that longevity, um, has helped definitely produce a, you know, some level of, of track record. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start. Let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. If I had to give a fresh answer to your question, like why does it work for some and not the others? Like I think it comes down to, are you making money? <laughs> like 
Yeah. Can you sell your thing over and over again? And one of the one of the epiphanies for me was Jeff Goins, a mutual friend of ours, wrote an article, uh, a guest post on my site years ago, and it was walking through the first time he successfully sold a thing. So that could be your first speaking gig for him. It was his first online course. He did a launch, made a good bit of money from it, and then his question was, "What happens next?" Yeah. And so he's talking, thinking about launching another product or doing a different speech or whatever your thing is. And uh, we had a coach tell him, he's like, no, you don't need anything else. You just need to like keep doing that, like yeah. keep selling it. And the title of the post was like how Jeff continued to sell his online course and made $2.5 million because he just sold the thing over and over and over and over again. Um, it's kind of like if, if you're to spend all of your time creating a Broadway show and some of those things take a ton of money, millions mm -hmm. and millions of dollars to make. And you did it one time. And then you shut the whole thing down and made another one. It's like, what are you doing? That's ridiculous. Yeah. So like you spend all that time to make one talk. Now, like get good at selling the talk. You make, you turn that talk into an online course or a coaching program, get good at selling the thing. Like the number one reason businesses shut down is just lack of sales. Mm -hmm. Like you have to learn how to sell your thing. You could have the best message in the world, but if you know how to sell it, it doesn't help anybody. And you're not gonna be able to keep giving it because you can't stay in business. So I think learning to, in the simplest possible way, master the sales and marketing process. So you can just stay in business and stay in the game that the only people that are out of business are the people that stop being able to sell. Yeah. And they start chasing other products and other things. And really like you're just creating this, this whirlwind of activity that doesn't do anything. Cause you still haven't mastered the core skill set. You need a simple, reliable marketing channel um, to do that for you. So for me, that was once a week, teach somebody, teach somebody else's audience. And that's worked really well because we still haven't mastered Facebook ads, <clears throat> but we know how to identify audiences that um, our best fit clients hang out in and go teach their audiences. And that works well. Like it's hard to screw up, sit with somebody on a podcast for an hour and talk with them and have a good conversation at the end, mention your product, like a handful of people to buy from you every time, even if you suck at sales and marketing. So that's been the thing for me, sucking at all that stuff. I can have a conversation for a little while. I can do a training for a little while and that works. So like, don't run out of money. If you don't run out of money, you get to keep playing. If you do run out of money, game over. So figure that part out. Uh, and that takes, I think, focus and not chasing shiny objects and all that stuff in order to make that happen. But at the end of the day, it's like, keep money in the bank account, light stay on. Yeah. And, and for, for both of us, there's a lot of different ways for, for us or for any you know, speaker or entrepreneur to continue to market and to make sales. And again, you and I have some level of track record and we've been at it for a while. And so we have some type of, um, some type of momentum that is certainly helps and makes things easier. But if we stop doing the active marketing and sales that we're currently doing, like the business eventually uh, withers away. And yeah. same thing for speakers. You know, I was doing 60, 70 gigs a year, but I was like constantly having to stick with it of like proactively pouring gas on the fire, pouring gas on the fire, reaching out to people, following up with people, like do the things that got you there in the first place. Um, it reminds me of, um, uh, this was a, a speaker friend of mine and he, he came from the basketball coaching world. Uh, his name is Alan Stein Jr. He's had been on the show, just really, really good guy, good speaker. And so years ago, he did a lot of, of coaching, um, like strength conditioning with um, uh, NBA players and like all like the who's who roster. And so he tells a story in speeches and told it on the podcast of getting to go to a practice, like a private practice with Kobe Bryant years and years ago. And he said um, that he got there, like the practice was supposed to start at, I don't know, 5 a.m. or something. He's like, I'm going to get there early. So I'm going to be there before Kobe gets there. And he gets there like an hour early and Kobe's already there. And so he's, he's just sitting there kind of like watching him go through um, all these like basic footwork drills, like over and over and over and over again. And so he said, after the practice, he asked Kobe, he said, you're one of the greatest players on the planet. 
why are you doing these basic footwork drills? And he said uh, something to the effect of, why do you think I'm one of the greatest players of all time? It's like, because I'm showing up, I'm doing the things over and over and over and just being consistent. Um, and again, I think that, that, uh, the just should like showing up like, cause there are days where, uh, I think one of the value that, that you and I, I think have with each other and our, our friendship is there's days where things are great and we're able to celebrate and just like, dude, we're crushing it right now. We just had a huge day or a huge launch or a huge week or a huge month or whatever. And then there's days where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, or I just had a key team member leave or, uh, you know, the doubts and insecurities and fears. Um, but just keep showing up. Um, I think has made a, a, a big, big difference, at least for, for me. Yeah. All right. I have another question for you. I don't know where this is going. Can I ask you another question? Please. Okay. Um, tell me about Joe Judge. Uh, so last, so this was a, a week and a half ago at the time of this recording or so. Um, I flew out to South Carolina to meet with a, a coach that was a, um, a mutual, like through a referral for a, a mutual friend of you and I. And, um, so I go out there and met with him and I, I went out there. We basically did like some bartering and he was interested in, in, in some speaking stuff. And he said, Hey, come out and let's do some like life planning and business talking. And I was like, great, cool. And so, uh, went out there and my expectations were just kind of like, I don't, I don't really know what to expect. I know this mutual friend of, of you and I had said like nothing but great things about him, but, uh, flew out there with the expectation of like, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun talking with him. And, um, uh, but other than that, I didn't have any like pressing issue of like, Hey, here's this, you know, big, uh, personal or business crisis that I'm dealing with, or here's some, you know, something that it's a massive opportunity and I just need some feedback on how to handle this. Uh, but it was, uh, like, you and I chatted a lot throughout that. Uh, we use Voxer a lot for that and just kind of like um, brain dump. But um, uh, it was really, it was really good to connect with someone that he's, you know, probably uh, 20, 25 years older than you and I been successful in business, successful husband, father. Like those are guys that I really, really look up to and admire and respect people that have done well in business, but like they're a good human being. Like that's the kind of guy I tell my wife, like, that's the kind of guy I want to grow up and be like, you know, good husband, good father, like just good person. Um, and so he was, Joe's really that, that kind of guy. And so he, for a couple of days, um, uh, we walked around his neighborhood and sat on the back porch and rocking chairs and like you do in South Carolina and just, he would ask good questions. Um, and just gave me a lot to think about. Like, I think it's, it's just easy to, um, uh, to, uh, it's, it's easy to get caught, like going through the motions or, um, just not being fully aware of, of or not being fully intentional about, um, uh, the business or personally or any of those type of things. And so he, he, um, I tell speakers all the time, it's, it's helpful to have someone who can help you read, uh, or it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. So it's helpful to have an, an outside perspective on that stuff that may be, you know, uh, obvious to someone else and you're just blind to. And so, um, that yeah, was really good personally, professionally for him to just, uh, think through, uh, make observations on my business and, uh, my life. And, uh, it was, it was helpful. I don't know where you're going with this or what, what you want me to answer. Oh, no. So let me give a little context. So one of the things, uh, one of my goals for this year was to, uh, I think what I wrote down was become a legit vision driven leader. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think that's, if you're starting out, if you're successful, whatever phase you're in, being able to, um, like, I feel like I've, I've gone in and out of cycles where I felt good about the long term of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, it's just survival, like keep yep. the lights on, don't run out of money, make sure this thing will work. And then once you prove the basics, then it becomes like, all right, what do I want to build? Because yep. in years, 20 years, 30 years is going to go by and you're going to do some type of work. What do you want to build? Like what's your masterpiece at the end of that? Um, and that can be an intimidating question. And for you over the years, that's been a really hard question to answer that I've been made of, made fun of many times for asking you, like, where do you want to be in five years? Like, where do you want to be in 10 years? And you're always like, I don't know what tomorrow is. What are you talking about? And then you go see Joe Judge and the whole time you're gone, you're like all of a sudden answering the question I've been asking you for seven years. Um, and it's also something I'm trying to level up on this year, just getting a crisper and crisper vision for the company so I can recruit people to that, so I can share it with our clients, so they can be excited about that, so we can just build everything towards it. And I feel like two weeks ago, you had a pretty big epiphany around um, how to think about that in a way that you started talking about it. And previously, you kind of avoided the topic. Were there any any ahas or any things that triggered like being able to see into the future, see like what potentially you could build, uh, what potentially the company could look like in your personal life could look like that was a blocker before that I could learn from or other people could. Um, yeah, I think that uh, being in that type of setting, especially like in person with someone um because like Joe, he's a, he's a good coach, but he didn't know me from Adam. You know, it's not like we have years and years and years of, of history or anything. So I think being in a, a different type of setting, I told him one thing that was valuable for me was being uh, away from uh, like my normal routine, you know? So if it was, you know, we both lived here in town or something and um, we just go to lunch, like there's only so much ground you can cover in a lunch, uh, but going, uh, g- getting on a plane, going away for a couple of days and just like, really going deep on, uh, on this topic and thinking big, uh, was really helpful. So I think the environment, the context really makes a big difference. It's the reason that you've alluded to a couple of times, you know, we do this annual houseboat trip with a couple of buddies and we do this, uh, each summer we've been this for, I think five years now, six years, something like that. And Brian in the house, Captain Brian. Um, and I think that's kind of where it started is you, you actually used to live on a houseboat years ago in another life. And I think it was the idea of like, Hey, what if we rented a houseboat and had a couple guys get away for a couple days. And that's kind of where it started. And now it's like, it's one of the highlights of the year for, for each of us uh, and the guys that come. And um, it is a mix. Uh, like when we first started doing it, it was a mix of like, Hey, let's just, let's talk business. Let's talk strategy. Let's get in the weeds. And some of it was, that's where a lot of us were at that you kind of alluded to the, the survival of just like, Hey, well, I need to sell something next week to pay bills. What, what do you guys got? <laughs> you know, and that's really where we are. And I think that, you know, since then um, it has certainly evolved to much more like we talk about family, we talk about marriage, we talk about kids, talk about parenting. We talk about what it means to be a, be a, a husband, a man um, where we are both. And the, the, the guys that have typically come on this have been uh, Christians. What does it mean to have a, a faith in God? Um, and so, just a lot of these like bigger questions. So having, being able to address those questions outside of your normal day-to-day routine has been, has been really, really helpful. So I think that'd be one thing that was really good. Um, I'd say the other thing that helped me is, is, you know, when, when we would talk a lot of times about what do you want the next several years to look like? Um, like I think very, I would say, I'd think very literally in terms of, um, 
you know, if I can paint a good picture, I feel really, really confident in my ability to execute and make something happen. Um, and I think that that's one skill set I've always had is like, we would, you know, you and I would set goals together. Um, and I felt pretty confident. I was going to, if I came up with 10 goals, I was going to hit potentially all 10 of them, barring some disaster. I was just good at, um, uh, seeing something and then executing on that, but thinking, you know, five, 10, 20 years out just kind of felt like, um, uh, uh, like this, fictitious land, um, filled with dragons and make-believe of just like, I have, have no idea of like what the future is going to look like. Uh, you know, like if we, we go back at, we're recording this about a year since COVID really, really started to, to hit, like nobody knew that that was going to happen. So the idea of like thinking through five, 10 years ahead, just feels like, eh, well, you know, who knows what the world's going to look like. But I think one thing that was helpful is the idea of like, yeah, you can still think five, 10 years out and then you're free to change it. You know, you're not, you're not stuck with it or married to it or feel like you have to do that on that one thing forever and ever and ever, or whatever the business looks like. Um, uh, and the other, I'd say epiphany was, um, I I've always thought very literally about what I wanted to do, but a big epiphany was not necessarily exactly what I wanted to do, but the type of company that I wanted to have. And so a, a big thing for me was, uh, um, uh, is really creating, and I think we've done a good job with this, but continuing to do this on a bigger way, but we've done a good job creating the type of company that people love to work at. And we have a, you know, we have a, a really good team of people and um, you and I realize like one of our best, uh, our, our best ways to invest our time and energy and effort and thoughts is really investing in people, uh, especially people on our team. And um, so in order to do that, in order to, to build a company, to make a big impact in the world, like you have to be able to attract, retain, keep like great people and make the type of environment that people never want to leave and that they always want to be a part of. And so um, the idea of building a company that um, is the best company that someone would ever work at, like that's that's pretty cool. And so that was kind of an aha epiphany of just like, yeah, I want to, I want to do that. Now that could look a lot of different ways. You know, that could be the speaker lab. It could be a car wash, you know, it could be a restaurant. It could be any number of things. Um, but building the type of company where people are going, I want to, you know, I want to be a part of that. And I love the work that I do. I know that my work matters. I know that I'm, um, I get to do it with people I love. I know that I'm making an impact. Uh, I know that the company cares about me. I know that I'm well compensated. Uh, like the, so creating an environment that is really, really fulfill, is fulfilling for uh, our team doing that. Like that's fulfilling for me. So yeah, that was, um, uh, again, I don't know if that's where you're going or what you're looking for, but that was a, that was a, yeah, it was a big, it was a big takeaway for me. I love hearing about people that hire coaches because I think coaches are one of the biggest cheat codes in life and business. Yeah. Like hiring a marriage coach or marriage counselor or business coach or speaking coach or marketing coach or whatever. Like, I mean, learning it yourself, even if it's laid out very clearly in a book or course or something, it still takes so much energy to convert that information to action. But having a, I mean, I've, I've attempted to pull this out of you for years and I'm fairly close to you and have had zero success you spend six hours with Joe magic <laughs> Joe, and all of a sudden you're pouring forth the vision and wisdom and your ego is being transformed into your soul or whatever <laughs> it is that was going on. Like it was really cool to see, honestly, uh, it was cool to see that. So I, I would just encourage anybody to listen like, if you're struggling in whatever area, marketing, speaking, whatever, like go find somebody you respect in that area and hire them to tell you what to do. Like I hired 
the dude that wrote the storytelling book and he's been coaching me on Voxer, how to tell stories. I do a Facebook live every day where I'm kind of practicing uh, doing this stuff and telling stories to communicate better and transmit ideas and and help people have epiphanies. And like, I I can read the book over and over and over again and do good, but also having him critique me, man, that's super helpful. So anyway, I just think it's cool when people hire a coach and and have a breakthrough. Well, I think that there's, you know, there's the, there's, um, a couple parts of that. One is like the people that are a step ahead of you in a certain area or in life or in business or whatever it may be that you can be learning from. That's what, you know, the storytelling guy was for you. That's what uh, Joe was for me. That's what other coaches are that, you know, we and I worked with. But I think the other thing that, you know, we, we kind of talked about at the uh, part of this uh, conversation was um, having people that are along the journey with you. And I think that's what you and I have been for uh, each other is, you know, there's been plenty of highs and lows throughout business. And, and we talk again, we, it's rare that we go a day without talking um, or texting or communicating in some way. Um, uh, Grant's addicted to me. He just can't. <laughs> my wife would echo that. Um, but I think just, but having um, again, personally, or professionally being able to, to challenge, to ask questions, to kick around ideas of just like, let me just think this out loud for a second. Am I missing something? And there's times where, you know, you'll, you will can call me out on something of just like, Hey, that's a horrible idea. And here's why, or that's a great idea. You should totally do that. Or, um, you know, you said you're going to do this, but you're dropping the ball on, on in, in this way or whatever. Like um, I think having someone or people alongside you along the journey. Uh, let's go back to the, the running analogy. Like just you're running the race with someone just looking along like, Hey man, this sucks. Doesn't it? Uh, like you're suck- you feel bad too. Like, okay, we're all dying to get good. Or like, Hey man, we just made it another mile. We're making progress. Let's celebrate this for a second. Um, so I would say like having, you know, having you and some other guys alongside the journey, um, whether you're a speaker or a course creator or a coach or an entrepreneur of any kind, like that has been a, a huge, huge uh, game changer. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Just like, I mean, you had to chase me down to get me to join this mastermind and it's been one of the better things I've ever done is just being around a group of guys that are doing similar stuff. So beg, borrow, still like do, getting in coaching programs. Sometimes I have those communities for you, like seeking yep. out people that are doing stuff at similar stages. Like we've probably done all different versions of that and they've been helpful. Um, well, I'm just glad this is going to be your most popular podcast episode of the year. I'm glad I could feel be a lot of pressure now because we didn't really know where this was going to go. It was an entire, like half the time we talk, we are serious and half the time we are goofing off. Um, and so I, I didn't really know what to, what to think of this, but um, we need to make this a regular thing. We need to get on here a couple times a year and share things we've learned and things you've learned from me. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yep. I can tell you things I've learned from reading, and now you're a reader too. So you, you can- taught me to read. This is excellent. Uh, yeah. So uh, send us an email. Uh, send either of us an email, and um, uh, let us know what you thought of this, and uh, if there's other things you'd like for us to discuss. Maybe things that uh, Brian knows about me that nobody else does that you want him to ask me about. Um, he knows me as well as anyone. So uh, yeah, man, this is fun. So if people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, if they want to check out uh, what you teach, uh, where can we go? GrowthTools.com/grant uh, I have a special training. So I've hired, we calculated the other day, I've, I've paid over $100,000 in coaches and courses to learn myself. And one of the number one things that makes it hard for speakers or authors or experts in any field to continue and grow their business is getting sales. So I shared a little bit of what our marketing system is. I put together a 15 minute training uh, just for you guys. You can go to growthtools.com slash grant and get that little 15 minute video that just distills that seven years and over $100,000 of learning into a 15 minute video that you don't have to learn the hard way. Uh, like one of my, like last year, this is probably too personal, but one, one of the biggest breakthroughs we had was hiring a new marriage counselor. Uh, we had our hardest year of marriage in 2019 and 2020. 
we decided, my wife and I, uh, that we're going to have our best year of marriage ever. So we went on a marriage counseling tour. <laughs> we like hired a bunch of marriage counselors and found one guy that was amazing. Uh, and he had been married for almost 40 years. And the first 20 years of their marriage was terrible. So much so that he became a certified marriage counselor and sexologist. Didn't know that was a thing. By the way, that's a thing. Um, and uh, side note. <laughs> side note. And over the course of eight weeks, he taught us everything it took him 20 years to learn. And it totally changed our marriage. Uh, so if you need help in, you know, getting more sp- or selling your, your program, creating a program off of your speaking gig, off of your talk and off of your message uh, and learning how to sell that and having a simple marketing system, go to growthfuls.com slash grant. Got a training there you can check out and just fast forward all those learnings of the stuff I learned the hard way. So if you want a good introduction, go there, growthfuls.com, growthfuls.com slash grant uh, and check it out. Thank you, sir. This is fun. I that was good. It. That was a good little pitch at the end too. I'm kind of proud of myself. Well done. We're still recording. So anything else you want to say about how much no, you love it. me? That's, that's all I have. Um, yeah. Email grant, grant at grantbaldwin.com. Okay. We'll Tell see you later. This podcast episode was, and uh, we'll do it again soon. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.